Hallelujah. Ah, oh, so good. I know sometimes I think we should bring our lawn chairs in here and kind of lay out in the sun a little bit. What do you think? Get a suntan, S-O-N tan? Praise God. <laughs> Woo! Well, if you have your Bibles, open them up to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we're going to look at, uh, start off with verse 12 here. Christmas is next week. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. Oh, man, it's going by quick. All right. So John 8, chapter 12, we'll start with here. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? <laughs> I love it. Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Man, Jesus' words are powerful. They just pierce right into the heart, don't they? Now, today, so Christmas is next week, so I thought we'd talk about the birthday boy a little bit. What do you think? Amen? Let's talk about the birthday boy, all right? Meaning his first coming to the earth. He's always been. Amen? But let's talk about Jesus. Today, I want to talk about getting to know Jesus. Getting to know Jesus. See, many Christians have a tainted view or a very shallow understanding of who Jesus is. Many times, they make up what the Bible calls another Jesus. Did you know that's possible? In your own mind, you make up another Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. You actually make an idol for yourself because you're not receiving who Jesus really is, all right? So I want to talk about his char- a few of his characteristics today um, that the Holy Spirit gave me to share with you. You know, sure, many people know that Jesus died on the cross for them, right? We know this, but that's the extent of their understanding. Have you really taken the time to get into the Word and just just read about the characteristics of Jesus? Have you really even meditated on that? Have you looked at some of the accounts about Jesus and, and just seeing the, the humanity side of Him? Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's what I want to do today. So there are many in the body of Christ that have allowed their experiences to dictate their knowledge and their relationship with God, right? Uh, many times... Um, you know, people who had a bad, uh, uh, bad parents growing up, right? Their father was abusive. Something was going on. Maybe they had abusive relationships, an abusive husband. And so all these things kind of factor in 
about how they view God, how they view Jesus, all right? So um, I I do want to mention that because I think a lot of people need healing from that because we kind of put Jesus on that same pedestal uh, as, you know, with our earthly parent or or a a man who treated a woman. You know what I'm saying? Just earthly experiences. We went through a lot of junk on this earth. Do you agree? But we have to see through that, all right? And that's what the Word of God does. That's why the Word of God is is sharp, is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and pierces through that junk that we have built up in our life, okay? And that's why most of the time um, in the deliverance sessions, we deal with renewing a person's mind. We want them to see who Jesus really is. We want them to see who their Heavenly Father really is, not who they made Him out to be. Amen? Because that's what the devil wants to do. That's why the devil has, has attacked us in our life. He's trying to get us a tainted view of God, trying to throw him off to the side, and you know. But we're not going to do that. So we need to replace those lies with the truth of the Word of God. There needs to be, I like to say it like this, we need to untangle the nest of lies that people have believed in life. Amen? Jesus said this in 832. He said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the truth just doesn't make you free. It's what you know. It's the truth that you know will make you free. Listen to this. It means this, that you get a revelation of the truth. The revelation is what makes you free. That's why you can tell truth to someone till you're blue in the face and they still don't get it. You can tell someone they're on a one-way road to hell and they just don't get it until what? The revelation comes. Are you following me? So when Jesus said the known truth shall make you free, he's talking about a revelation of the truth. Because the powerful thing about receiving revelation is this. Nobody can talk you out of it. No, wait, oh my goodness, I feel the anointing hit me like a wave up here. I might need a catcher up here. (laughs) Listen, when you receive a revelation of it, nobody can talk you out of it. That's why the devil is always trying to stop us from pressing into the Word of God. Pressing into prayer. Why? Because he's trying to stop that revelation. Revelation is what made the apostles and the disciples want to lay their life down for Jesus. Are you following me? We need more revelation. We need it. Amen? Hebrews 13.8 says this. Jesus Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Amen? We can truly trust and rely on Him. You got to know this. Jesus is your only constant in this life. When you try putting someone all your 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 faith and hope in a human, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, they're going to let you down. They're going to let you. Your only constant is your heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and the precious Holy Ghost. Amen? All right? So, our life as a Christian hinges on our relationship with Jesus. Now, we need to know him personally. I didn't say know about Jesus. I said knowing Jesus. Amen? All right, knowing him so intimately that we, like the apostles and disciples, that we're even willing to lay our life down. 
Ooh, I can hear a pin drop in here. Did someone just drop a pin? There's some, come on. Right? Think about it. I don't know if you know this or not, but we're in the last days, people. There might come a time. <laughs> come on, somebody. There might come a time when someone puts a gun to your head and says, renounce Christ or die. What, what are you going to do? Come on, somebody. The more knowledge that we have from the Word of God about our Savior, the closer walk we're going to have with Him. Now, many leave this one important aspect out of knowing Jesus. Are you ready for this? The role of the Holy Spirit in that process. This is the importance of having a relationship with the Holy Ghost. Having an open heart to the Holy Spirit and revelation. Amen? The Word of God gives us knowledge. But the Holy Spirit brings life to that knowledge. The Holy Spirit brings us to that intimate walk and relationship with Him. Amen? Knowledge without the Holy Spirit can turn into just religion. Let me say it again. Knowledge without the Holy Spirit, it can just turn into, I'm going to say this, dead religion. The Holy Spirit adds that relationship factor. Amen? That intimacy, that aspect in our walk with the Lord. So we need to constantly keep our heart open and maintain fellowship, or what the Word says, communion with the Holy Spirit. Constant communication with Him. And the more you get to know Jesus, listen to this, the more you get to know Jesus from the Word of God and revelation from the Holy Spirit, man, the stronger your faith is going to be to fully rely on Him. You ever play that game with someone where someone's standing behind you, and you got it's the trust game, and you got to fall, and you got to trust them that they're going to catch you. Have you ever done that? I've done that with my kids. Big mistake. <laughs> the tailbone didn't like that. But we can fully lean into the Lord Jesus Christ. We can fully trust our Heavenly Father. Amen? I mean, how can you trust Him for healing if you don't know it's His will for you to be healed and healthy? Amen? How can you trust Him to supply all your needs if you don't know that He intimately cares about that in your life? Think about that. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know He's interested in that stuff, it's impossible for you to have faith for that. Amen? And you will fall into that trap of worry and fear and instability in your life. Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking a lot about faith. But faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. You've got to constantly feed yourself that all the time. Why? Because the world's constantly feeding us junk. Huh? Because the devil's constantly trying to feed us junk. Amen? So we need the Word of God to fight that junk off. Amen? I mean, you know, it's bad enough dealing with our own selves, and then we got that outside stuff coming against us. You know what I'm saying? So hearing the truth of God's Word over and over will build your faith. Remember I said last week, it, it, it fills your spirit man with the Word, and it renews your mind. And your mind, your thought life, is that valve that opens up and releases it. Amen? The renewing of the mind. So when you're facing a trial in your life, it's comforting and faith-building to hear Scriptures. Get into the Word. Everything about, when you're going through a trial, I know the last, your flesh wants to just sulk and, you know, cry and all. Get into the Word. 
you will you will see a shift. It will be a shift in the atmosphere. It'll bring encouragement. It'll be, bring strength. Amen. So now the great thing, the cool thing about this study about getting to know Jesus is this. Ready? Let's make this real simple. The Godhead. There is perfect unity in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if one contains the trait, the other one does, the, all, all, the other two as well. Are you following me? So we're not, when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the whole Godhead here. Amen? So in the Gospels, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus said that he was going to send another comforter, right? The Holy Spirit. And like we talked about last week, that word another means another of the same kind. You see, there's two Greek words. There's one, another of a different kind or another of a same kind. Jesus said, the same Holy Ghost that comforted and strengthened me, that he is going to come and help you. Amen? I like that. So turn to John chapter 11. Let's get started here. John 11. Verse, uh, verses 33 through 35. Let's get to know Jesus more intimately today. Amen? Amen. The birthday boy. I like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, he had 33 of them when he was on this earth. Are you hearing me? Amen. Here we go. And we're starting at verse 33. How about that? Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping... And the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. Here's what I want to tell you. Number one, someone needs to hear this. Jesus connects with our human emotions. He is compassionate. Whatever you are going through today, he feels it. And he, I'm telling you, here's the deal. Some people think that God is emotionless. That's not true. That's simply not too true because God created emotions. In fact, you can look all through the word of God and you can see where parts where God is joyful. God is angry. God is, come on, saddened where he's laughing. There's different, God does have emotions. Isn't that good to know? And we are created in his image. Amen? So in this account, I find this very interesting. I find this interesting that Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still cried. He still wept. You, anybody, that blows me away. Like Jesus, if anybody should have been the happy one around there, joyful, it should have been him. But he still cried. Here's why. He had a burden for the people that were affected by the death of Lazarus. It burdened, it burdened him, and it brought him emotional pain. And here the Holy Spirit said this. Are you ready for this? He didn't like seeing Lazarus. Here it is. Sick and die. This is what the Holy Spirit told me. Before his time. Amen. Say before his time. I've never seen that. I'm, I'm just, new things are popping in my spirit as, as I'm going through these messages. He, ha, he has a burden for people who die before their time. There is a time for every person to die, but it's possible to die before that time. Amen? And Jesus, that burdened him, all right? And obviously that burdened our Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit too. I believe that was the Holy Spirit's emotions coming through him as well. Amen? 
So it's no different today. If you're sad and burdened by something right now, Jesus can relate to how you feel. And the same Holy Spirit that comforted and strengthened him is ready and willing to do the same for you. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. See, a lot of times people kind of overlook, ready for this, the humanity side of Jesus. They just think of him as, as, you know, they don't see him as the Clark Kent, as the human. They see him going in that phone booth putting on the Superman suit that he's just all God. No, no, he walked as a human on this earth. Are you following me? Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Look at this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed from the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Confession to the word. Confession of who Jesus is. Amen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot, underline it, sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time in the, and to help in the time of need. So we need to come boldly, knowing so knowing that Jesus cares for us, knowing that He sympathizes with everything you're going through right now in your life at this very moment. That says that should create a boldness in Christians to go to the throne of grace because Jesus experienced it. Are you following me? He was and still moved with compassion. And we as his ambassadors, as his representatives on this earth, we better be moved with compassion too. If you got the same Holy Ghost as Jesus does, that compassion better be flowing through us. Amen? Here's something about Jesus. He stood and fought for the weak, for the poor, and for the rejected in society. Do you notice that? He stood with them. Someone says this, I love this, you know, you always hear that, what would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do? Well, that depends on a person's attitude he's dealing with. If he's dealing with religious pride and a Pharisee, come on, he'll, it's not beyond him to flip some tables. Come on, somebody. But if he's dealing with someone who really has a heart to want to know him, someone who wants to change, someone who is, is sorrowful, sorrowful, from going away from him. Oh, he's the most loving Savior you'll ever meet. Amen. But that pride, say pride. Oh, that'll cause some uh, tables to be flipped in your life. Amen. Jesus did not and does not like seeing people in bondage. He does not like seeing them lacking needful things in their life. In fact, he fed the 5,000. Amen. He fed people every, everywhere he went. He was feeding them. Amen? Miracles were popping. Why? Because he cared for people. Every need that they had. Amen? So Jesus is burdened by any believer that is not living the abundant life through him as well. Did you know that? He, I'm telling you. He wants you to take full advantage of his death, burial, and resurrection. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. I'm running you through the word here today. All right? Is that all right? All right. Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38. Mm. The Gospels are so rich. I love, isn't it great seeing Jesus, how he operated on this earth? 
And then as you read, the Holy Spirit gives you revelation of, of a little deeper into these accounts. If you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll allow you to go a little deeper and show you some more things about these accounts, all right? I'll show you one in a moment, but... It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And here it is, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus is burdened because there's not enough laborers to take care of these people. Now, do you notice in this passage here, this is in connection to healing. This is even in connection to deliverance, setting people free. Where are they? Body of Christ, we need to rise up. There is a, I'm telling you, there's a resurgence right now in the ministry of deliverance and casting out demons. The Holy Spirit is doing something because we're right, I said it before, right on the front lines of when revival and an outpouring is starting, deliverance happens because he's trying to set the people free. Free! Because it's not just about, he just doesn't want you sitting in a pew. He wants you to be used. Amen. He's looking for laborers today. Amen. So that is why he sent out the 12. He sent out the 70. And now the entire body of Christ. Jesus desires his work to be multiplied on this earth. Here we go. I, I mentioned this, I think, last week or the week before, but he wanted me to put it in here again. Jesus took time to get away, and he encourages us to get away from our busy schedule and relax. I want to show you something in Mark chapter 6. Someone needs to know this here. Mark chapter 6. Oh, I, I just, I, there's no time to rest. There's no time to rest. Well, that's interesting. Let's see what Jesus said here in Mark chapter 6. There's a little thing called burnout that we all want to avoid. Amen? Because guess what? You're no good to anybody once you burn out. Amen? Mark chapter 6, 30 through 32. Look at this. Then the apostles gathered to, uh, gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So they, they were just out doing ministry, right? I love it. They were doing ministry. And then verse 31. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed into a desert place in the, in the boat by themselves. So we all need, I'm just telling you right now, we all need to step back, amen, and take time to relax. I'm telling you right now, burnout, the, the, the devil... The devil, he doesn't want you to do things for, for God. But if you're going to, here's the other temptation. Get so busy and burned out that you're no good. Or you turn into a horrible representation of Jesus. Are you following me? So don't feel guilty for taking vacations. Your work, I, I promise you this, right? Your work will be waiting for you when you come back. Amen. 
So I, I don't know. I talk to people sometimes. They're like, I just feel bad taking vacation time. And I feel like I'm the only one to run the office. Get out of there. Go. Are you hearing me? There's a reason they give you vacation days. Amen. It's for everybody's good. All right. Now, here's what you need to know. Jesus is not opposed to you and I having fun and enjoying life on this earth. Did you know that? He's not opposed to it. He he's even said he wants our joy to be full. Amen. He doesn't want you walking around depressed and heaviness and all this stuff. He doesn't want that. Just make sure this, that your entertainment doesn't involve sin. Can we all agree on that? Just agree that it doesn't involve sin and, and that it doesn't. Here's the other thing. That it just doesn't become an idol in your life. With whatever you're doing, take God with you. Are you amen. If you will remember, everywhere you go, everything you do, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's right there with you. That might alter some things for some people. Amen? But let's keep that in our mind, that he's always with us. Amen? So he wants us to enjoy life, though. So, um, you know, he wants us to have everlasting joy, great joy. We should be full of joy. We should have abundant joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The Word says he wants us to have joy unspeakable. This is not a God that wants us to have a bad time on this earth. Amen. And just use your resources. Wherever you go, take Jesus into it. Whatever, right? You, you go to a grandkids or a kid's game or something, talk to someone about Jesus. Just keep him with you. Amen. Just keep him with you. And, and by the way, I don't, if you miss the service here and there to go to, I, I, listen, my name's not Jim Jones here. Are you following me? I'm not going to make you drink Kool-Aid. There's no control here. Are you following me? Well, I can't miss Sunday because pastor's going to, just go, okay? Just go. Give me a break. I don't, someone needed to hear that, all right? My goodness. Oh, and, you know, and having people over to your home. Well, does the church, is pastor okay with me having people over from the church? Just have them over. Wait, what? Again, I'm not Jim Jones. Are you following me? Have people over. Have prayer meetings at your house. There, go, do it, go. Amen. Fellowship with other Christians. You don't need my approval. Amen. We're not controlling around here. Amen. You have a free will. Listen, God doesn't even control you. The Holy Spirit doesn't even control you. Are you following me? The devil will try, but you have a free will. God is so generous. He lets you have your free will. Now he hopes you choose him, right? But he's not forcing you to do anything. Amen. And the same with me. So don't ever feel a controlling thing about that. So... Uh, So Jesus encouraged his followers not to worry, but to stay in faith. Jesus was a word of faith preacher. I should say it this way. He was a word of faith preacher that cast out demons. Okay, how do we say that? Are you following me? All right. The word of faith is referring to the word of God. Jesus preached the word of God. He was, in fact, the living word of God. Amen. You need to understand how important faith is to God. He requires it. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Just trust. I love that. There's no condemnation in that. What it's saying is, is this, that God delights. He takes pleasure in his people fully trusting in him. Isn't it a, isn't it a horrible thing when someone close to you doesn't trust you? Is that not one of the worst feelings ever? 
Amen. But when they truly trust you and you're locked in together and there's a, you know what, are you, is someone, are you following me in here? When you trust each other, that gives God great delight when we trust him. Amen. So the only way, listen, the only way to partake of the benefits of the new covenant is through faith. From start to finish, the word of God says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. All right. Jesus started this thing. He's going to finish it. And in between, we need faith to receive. Amen. So, and we are saved through faith in Christ. All right. So, and you need to overcome the world. The only way you're going to overcome the world, the Bible says, is through faith. All right. Mark eleven twenty two, as we read all the time, Jesus said, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. And he rebuked in Mark 440. I love this. He rebuked his disciples and said, how is it that you have no faith? See, all right. Mark or John eleven forty. Jesus said, Martha, did I not tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Jesus, he, he said, only believe, say, believe. All right. So Jesus knew that it was of the utmost importance for us, his followers, to have faith, to see the glory of God and the power of God manifested on this earth and in our life personally. Amen. So, by the way, I want to say this about about receiving from God, the promises of God, every promise in the word of God through Christ. Listen to this. The promises of God hinge on you receiving them from God. Ready for this? not by God giving them to you. Okay, so let me break it down. Say, break it down. Here's what I'm going to tell you right here. God already made the provision. Like salvation is already a provision. The promises are there. Guess what? Before you got born again, that provision was there the whole time. It was waiting for you to take hold of it. Are you following me? So the provisions of of his promises are available and they're waiting for you to take hold of them by faith. See, a lot of people think, oh, well, okay, they pray for something, God heal me, and they're waiting on God to do this thing. No, no, no. Faith receives before you see. You got to believe before you see. The world says, I got to see before I believe. God says, no, 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 you got to believe before you see. Are you following me? It's the opposite. So, so the waiting is not from God holding back from you, but our ability to receive from him. All right? So here's the deal. Jesus gave uh, people many opportunities to exercise their faith on a regular basis. Go to Matthew 9.27. Matthew 9.27. Getting to know Jesus. Get ready for this. This is one I want to show you here. Uh, a little nugget that the Holy Spirit gave me about receiving. All right? And this is in connection to healing. All right? Someone needs to hear this. Matthew 9, 27 through 30. Look at this. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Listen, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. Okay. Now here's the deal. The, whole, the blind men followed Jesus into the house. Which, 
I, I don't know, in my mind, when I read that account, I think, wow, man, that's pretty bold. That's pretty bold faith, isn't it? They followed him into the house. That's bold, right? That's what I thought in my head too. But here's the deal. Then why, if that, if them following him into the house was the act of faith, why did Jesus say, do you believe I'm able to do this? Are you ready for this? Here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, the two blind men following Jesus into the house was desperation, not faith. Are you following me? And the Holy Spirit continued to say this, desperation is not faith. Faith receives, desperation does not receive. So Jesus had to ask the two blind men that question. Here's what the Holy Spirit said. You ready? To shift their mindset from desperation mode to faith mode. I always thought, wow, the act of faith was them following Jesus into the home. Nope, that wasn't good enough. Jesus still had to ask them, do you believe I'm able to do this? Because there was only desperation. God is not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith and trust in him. Are you following me? Now, here we go. So Jesus got very grieved and angry when people cared more about religious traditions of men more than the welfare of people. Have you noticed that about Jesus? I'm convinced that if Jesus Christ himself was walking this earth, he would not be welcome to every Christian church on the face of this earth. Are you hearing me, somebody? And, you know, I mean, look how his true ambassadors are rejected by many now. You think the, the, the master is going to be treated any other way? Amen. In fact, Jesus would come into a lot of churches. He would kill some sacred cows, traditions of men, and many that many churches hold on to. He would just be too radical for them. It would just it would boggle things up too much. It would get a little too uncomfortable. Amen. All right. So look at John nine. John nine. But you know, here's what's going on. That is starting to happen in many churches. Things are starting to happen. The Holy Spirit's having some things happen that are making even leaders take a second glance and think, is there something I'm missing here? Yeah, there is. Amen? The Holy Ghost factor. Amen? Now, John 9, 13 through 16. Say, desperation does not receive. Faith receives from God. Amen. All right. Here we go. So John 9, 13 through 16. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was, uh, now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He, Jesus, put clay on my eyes, and I wash, and I see. Therefore... Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. The Pharisees didn't care that a man who was blind received sight. What did they care about? Their traditions. Are you following me? So Jesus, a revolutionary came and he said, fooey on all your traditions. I care about people more than your traditions. 
They were motivated by their traditions more than a personal relationship with God and the welfare of others. They were hardened in their heart by tradition. Tradition of man, any tradition outside of this book right here will harden your heart and close you off from moving in the power of God, will close you off from the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a dam. It puts a dam. Amen? Amen? It's a, we call them damn believers. It's a dam. It blocks the flow of the anointing. Amen? Come on, somebody. Get your heads out of the gutter right now. So how can I tie this into our generation? How about Christians that are more loyal to a denomination, more, de, uh, more, more loyal to rules more than the Word of God? Amen? In fact, listen to this, some ministers even, some ministers have told me, they said, you know, this whole deliverance thing throughout the years, they said, this deliverance thing, I believe it. I believe it's from God. I believe it's in the Word. They said, but I I can't do it or else the organization that credentials me would kick me out. Then get out of ministry. Are you following me, somebody? Get out of ministry. If you're going to bow to the fear of man more than the Holy Ghost, you're not doing any good anyways. Get out of there. Come on. Amen. Get out of there. We need people set free. Amen. People need to start growing up and start thinking for themselves and study the word of God. They need to cut the spiritual umbilical cord of their family that's holding them back, of the organizations that are holding them back. Are you following me, somebody? So here we go. Jesus encourages us to go right to the heart of a matter. He encourages us to go right to the heart of the matter. He did not sugarcoat the truth. I like that about Jesus. He didn't water down the message so he could get a bigger following. Guess what? He had a huge following and he was preaching the truth. He was doing just fine. Look at John chapter 4. some reason we're hanging out in John here. John 4. And starting with verse 7 here, I want to show you something. Jesus went right to the heart of the matter. It says this, A woman of Samaria Samaria, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. See, her mind's still just on that natural realm. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Verse 13. And Jesus Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, 
give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have well said that I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have now have is not your husband, in that you, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now the light bulb goes on. Jesus broke the rules to communicate with this Samaritan woman. See, Jews were expected to avoid the Samaritan people, but Jesus loved people more than rules. The woman at the well was asking Jesus for the living water. But Jesus knew, listen to this, he knew for her to be able to partake of the fullness, she had to deal with the issues in her life. Listen to me. He knew that this lady was just going to go around in circles her whole life if these issues are ignored. Are you following me? When it came to sin issues, Jesus didn't care about a person's comfort zone. He had a greater purpose for this woman. And it didn't matter if he had to go beyond that gate of political correctness or seeker sensitive. Amen? The woman had serious emotional and spiritual issues that have been masked, that have been ignored for years. And Jesus comes along and says that she has five husbands. And the one that you're living with now, yeah, you're shacking up. Are you hearing me, somebody? When the Holy Spirit ministers to you, He will ask you direct questions. Are you following me? His goal is to help you partake of the fullness that God has waiting for you. The Holy Spirit is trying to get you and I back into the purpose of God for our life. That's His one job. That's His one purpose, to get you in your purpose. And anything that's an enemy to that, the Holy Ghost is going to bulldoze that thing in your thought life. Are you hearing me? But you still got to cooperate with him. He'll show you. He'll nag you on the inside. You'll feel, oh, something just doesn't feel right. You know how you get rid of that? Cooperate with him and move on with life. Amen? Don't fight him on it. Cooperate with him. See, there are some in here and listening to me on the internet that have been masking issues, that have been masking sins, that have been masking wounds your whole life. And the Lord is asking you this question today. He's saying this, will you be made whole? Are you ready to confront the issues? Are you ready to confront the hindrances and the bondages in your life? You see, Jesus spoke the truth in love. He did. He spoke about the narrow road that leads to life, didn't he? And the wide road that leads to hell. So the next time someone in the woke movement says you're narrow-minded, say, yeah, I am narrow-minded. I really am. I'm staying on that narrow road. Are you hearing me? I'm staying with the Word of God on the narrow road. Amen? I'm not going to fall into this other junk that the world is trying. Here's what they're trying to do. Desensitize you. The more you see it, the more, the more you see two men kissing, the more you see two women kissing, they're trying to desensitize this thing. Are you hearing me, somebody? The more they call abortion health care, come on, somebody. Are you, here, are you following me? 
It's all, they're all trying to desensitize us. No, no, no. Listen, we need to stay on the narrow road. We need to keep preaching and saying, that is not normal. This is normal. Because God created us. This, oh my goodness. We need to stay on the narrow road of the Word of God. The last thing I want to say here, the last point. Jesus expects us as Christians to come to him with childlike faith. I want to end on one passage, Matthew 18. Go to Matthew 18. Don't fall for all this stuff that Washington's pumping out. Come on, somebody. You stick with the Word of God, amen? Washington and Hollywood. All right. Matthew 18, 1 through 6, I want to look at here in my last point, and we're done. Wait a minute, it's too early. I can't let you guys out this early. (laughs) All right, here we go. Matthew 1, 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him. And set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever... Oh, here's a warning. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. All of these uh, uh, trans people going into these schools doing these lap dances on kids. Are you kidding me? What is going on here? Christians, we need to rise up. We cannot be silent about this. Ruffle some feathers. Come on, somebody. Amen? Here's the deal. It is a level playing field in the body of Christ. Your money, your popularity doesn't gain you any favor in the kingdom of God. The one characteristic that Jesus pointed out in the children that we all must have is this one trait, humility. Say humility. As Christians, we are expected to humble ourselves. Don't, don't pray, God, humble me. The Bible says, humble yourselves. Why? Because God doesn't control anybody. Are you following me? So many dignified believers make fun of Christians that run and lift their hands and dance around for the Lord or, or whatever. But God looks down from heaven and delights in his children who humble themselves. See, I heard this about worship. It said, worship doesn't truly begin in a person's life until they're empty of themselves. That's when true worship begins, when you empty. Why do we have long worship? Because we're trying to empty ourselves and fill ourselves with Him. Amen? So Christians... Take that step out like ch- with childlike faith. They're the ones, the ones that have childlike faith are the ones that are going to walk in the power of God. They're the ones that are going to be used in the power and the flow of the Holy Ghost. Amen? It's time to get to know Jesus. Not from traditions of man, not from denominational rules that will give us a false image of Him, but to open the Word of God and allow the Holy Ghost to truly reveal the real Jesus. 
Amen. So it's time for all of us Christians. I'm telling you right now, this is the word. We need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Let's stand up in this place. Oh, Holy Spirit, give us more wisdom and revelation about Jesus. We want to know more. As we read your word, give us more revelation about Jesus, how he would act. What would Jesus do? Show us. Now, maybe there's someone in here. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're on the outside. You're looking in. You're a child of the devil. You're on a one-way road to hell. You're on that wide road. Today is the day of salvation. If you have never made him Lord of your life, I want you to come down to this altar today, and I want to pray with you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Jump on the narrow road with us. Amen? It's the best road. It's the safest road. Amen? It's the blessed road. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you've been a Christian your whole life, and you've fallen away from the Lord. What can you say? You took some wrong roads, you got attached with the wrong people, you kind of went off, right? You want to rededicate your life. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, come to this altar today. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with uh, speaking in other tongues. If you want to do that, I want you to come down, and I want to talk to you about it and pray with you to receive. Because it is important, and it's powerful. Amen? If you need prayer for anything else, like I always say, I'll stay here as long as you need to pray with you about anything. Uh, A loved one, yourself, whatever it is. But, wow, guys, this is some serious stuff. We need to know Jesus like never before. Amen? Amen? All right, so... Tuesday prayer on the prayer call, Wednesday prayer here. We're going to keep everything the same prayer Friday morning, and we're going into Christmas week. So invite family and friends. Well, I hope you're doing that other than Christmas anyways, right? Got to get them in the house of the Lord, amen? Amen. To hear the word, amen? So uh, have a great week, everyone. Uh, We will have a service next Sunday on Christmas morning. So, all right. God bless you all. Love you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.